This is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host of ADHD Focus on Web Talk Radio. Today, we will be talking with Elaine Taylor Klaus, who is a parenting educator and coach, co-founder of ImpactADHD.com, which is an online resource for parents of kids with ADHD. She is also a mom in an ADHD family of five. Elaine, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Good to have you here. Um, some of the things we need to talk about today are, uh, let's start with what symptoms in children um, do you see as most challenging to parents? Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting question. I think, I think it plays sort of two ways. One is that the, the answer is going to depend on the parent. And it's going to depend on um, whether the parent is impacted by issues like ADHD themselves or not, because it's sort of, mm-hmm. it's going to be different. So parents of kids who do not struggle with ADD themselves um, tend to be often frustrated by the, the sort of, why can't he just? Why can't he do what I ask? Mm-hmm. Why can't he remember to do things? Why can't he just get started? You know, the things, it, it's not hitting typical milestones and expectations tend to really frustrate parents of kids, parents who do not have ADHD or ADD themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think for the parents who do have it themselves, they tend to get frustrated often by the, the issues they see in their kids that they see in themselves. Uh-huh. Um, or sometimes conversely by the issues that, you know, I've learned to manage it. Why can't they do that? Right. Um, but, but really, we're talking about the issues. It's usually sort of the overarching themes of disorganization, um, sort of emotional management, mm-hmm. and, um, and then just sort of getting stuff done, getting, sort of hitting the basics. And, and these kids struggle with it, and, and it's really difficult for parents. Yeah, certainly the, um, having to ask three times to have the garbage taken out or um, pick up your clothes um, and I think the the emotional aspects certainly have the highest impact that's going to grab parents whether they have ADD or not um, yeah. and sometimes maybe more so some of the ones who have ADD when they feel they aren't being listened to and then they uh, overreact and things escalate from there yeah yeah the um, sense that my kids being rude or is, isn't respecting me, when, when yes. oftentimes that kid is, is struggling with something neurological, not naughty, um, but the mm-hmm. parents interpret it as naughty uh, because they sort of don't know how else to interpret it. Right, and, and I think that uh, many people with ADHD are particularly sensitive to many things, whether it's textures or noise or light, and they're usually always sensitive to emotions. Um, mm-hmm. So... I see kids that uh, even here in the um, exam room would say, stop yelling at me when mom has not changed the volume of her voice, but there's that edge to it the third time of asking something. Right, change the tone. Right, and, and children are very sensitive to that change of tone. I think adults are too, but children interpret it as you're yelling at me, you're criticizing me, how come you're always down on me? Mm-hmm. Not, not really registering well, on the fact they've been asked three times to do it. 
Well, you know, it's funny because I wrote an article about this just recently. It's, I think it's called, um, Are You Secretly Calling Your Child an Idiot? Sure. <laughs> and, um, but the, the idea is that I think that we parents, our tone tends to express our concern for our kids. So if we're worried that they're going to be a slacker or we're worried that they're going to be rude or, we're, you know, whatever we're worried mm-hmm. about for their future, that comes out inadvertently in our tone. Yes, I think that's that's certainly very true. And so, so if we can recognize what our fear is and sort of redirect it, reframe it, you know, do some work with ourselves, and so much of the work that I do is about helping parents shift how they're approaching their relationship with their child and their communication with their child, because that, it has such a huge impact on, on the whole family dynamic. Yes, yes, and it I've seen certainly impact on a sibling who does not have ADHD, mm-hmm. um, both from their sibling with ADHD, but also parents are either more occupied or they're irritable all the time, and some of it flows onto the uh, the child without ADHD. Yeah. So, of the things parents might try, what do you see that they've tried that hasn't worked? Ah, uh, what doesn't work? Well, what doesn't work is. Um, is assuming that they're, I guess, assuming that they're doing it on purpose, that they're being naughty, right? And mm-hmm. we often test it. The, the question we teach parents to ask themselves literally is, is it naughty or neurological? Um, and if it's naughty and you've put systems in place or you've put consequences or, or punishments or whatever, however you approach it in place and it doesn't change the behavior, um, if you've assumed it's naughty, then that's a pretty good indication that there's something neurological going on. If, it, if it's not, if traditional methods aren't working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the things is that we try sort of the we try to pull from the, the world of traditional parenting and and it's ineffective when our kids are dealing with neurological challenges. Um, so that's definitely one thing that, that doesn't work. Um, I think another thing that doesn't work is uh, that sort of repetitive broken record. You know, that idea that if I hit my head against a wall, um, continuously that somehow it's going to change the results. Right, so. the definition of insanity, kind of. <laughs> exactly. So um, that's not to say that there aren't times that we do need to scaffold our kids and do and give them reminders as they're learning to, to self-manage and learning to, to take more ownership of themselves. Um, but if we, if we think that just continuously asking them again and again without changing how we approach it or helping them understand it differently, you're not likely to get different results. Mm-hmm. Do you see often a, yes, difference of approach or even willingness to understand between mothers and fathers? Um, well, yes, I, but I wouldn't say it's universal, like one, parents, moms versus dads, but mm-hmm. generally in any given family, there's often this dynamic of, of one parent beginning to understand and come to an awareness of what's going on with the kid um, and the other parent really not getting it. Um, not being available for the education, not not having the patience for it, presuming that this kid is lazy or rude or whatever, mm-hmm. and not really being open to see that there may be something else going on. So, so when when you don't have parents on the same page, and and I would say that that's probably more common than not. Yes. Right. That's um, certainly my that, experience. 
yeah, it really, it creates lots of, you know, I think it's what Dr. Hallowell calls the big struggle, right? It creates mm-hmm. all sorts of difficult dynamics in the, dyna- in the family environment. Um, but getting them on the same page can be a challenge. Because oh, yeah. you've got one parent saying, you're babying him, and the other parent saying, you're being too hard on him. And the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the ADD aspect introduces... I guess magnifies the issue because certainly parents are going to disagree about kind of usual childhood things. Oh, gee, that's nothing to worry yeah. about. Oh, yeah, that's a major issue. Um, and kids certainly go through different stages where they're major issues or not, and it kind of comes down to pick your battles. But right. I uh, think with you know, ADHD, that's the um, it's more frustrating because parents see an impact on school performance or social interactions, all kinds of things. Exactly. Well, and and there are two things that come up for me as you say that. One is that um, you're starting with the presumption that the the parent accepts that the ADHD is really having an influence. So sometimes we have this challenge of the ADHD may be diagnosed, but you still have a parent who doesn't really understand it or accept it and Mm -hmm. therefore isn't really willing to see that as a possibility of, of part of what's going on. And then the other is, is sort of the nature of ADD is that these kids are three to five years behind their peers in some yes. aspects of their development, but not all. So they are, you know, often precocious in some areas. And so you look and say, well, but my kid can have a full conversation with a room of adults. Um, right. Yes, but the child can't sit with a, with a room of their peers and have a conversation. Right. And, so and that developmental delay, I think, causes a lot of complications as well. And that's certainly uh, backed up by not only experience and observation over a number of years by a number of people with kids with ADD, but also now some of the um, functional MRI and structural studies, which shows that at a given age, for instance, at eight years old, kids with ADHD have um, a thinner cortex, so their thinking isn't as developed. And then same kids six years later, the ones with ADHD have made progress, but they're still behind other peers of their age. So that's right. the, the developmental delay aspect. Right. Well, I, and want... I think it's hard for parents to accept the concept of developmental delay because it sounds scary. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. Um, and maybe staying away from the developmental delay just as they're uh, slower to pick up new skills, um, mm-hmm. certainly around the, the emotional aspects, I think, is a big part. The yeah. other thing I think that confounds that is when a child is highly intelligent. And yeah. maybe they're the ones that can relate better to older um, children or adults because they do grasp a lot of things that other kids their age may not, but other kids their age don't like them because they're um, bossy or speaking out of turn or... Um, right. their ADD impulsiveness comes along. Right. I, did. Well, I think that I, I always said to my kids, you're going to be amazing adults. We, gotta, we just got to get you there. Mm-hmm. And, um, because I think the ADD brain is really designed better for adulthood than childhood. It's better for specialization. Um, it's better for, for, in some ways, for con- conceptualization and abstract reasoning. I mean, it, it's got all sorts of great benefits to an adult who learns to manage it effectively. Um, but it's really hard to be a kid and fulfill all of those ex- expectations if you have an ADHD brain. Right. I wanted to get back to one point you made about uh, 
scaffolding kids and and supporting them. In my experience, um, it seems that kids with ADHD need that ongoing support a lot longer than kids without it. So parents by seventh grade may be frustrated. How come you you still don't figure out how to turn your homework in or your backpack's a mess? Absolutely, and that's that's part of the work that we do with parents is helping them set realistic expectations and, and understand where their child is. And, and it's going to be different for each child because some of our kids struggle with organization while others may be fine with that but struggle with emotional management. Or you know, They all have their different manifestations. And so mm-hmm. as parents, our job is to sort of, as you say, scaffold. And the, the vision I like to create is that of you know, an, 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 a beautiful antique building that's got a full scaffolding all around it and we when we start raising kids we're sort of creating renovating this beautiful building and and we take down one section of scaffolding at a time and we make sure it's clean and repaired or whatever we're doing and and our job as a parent is to sort of take down one section of scaffolding make sure that that's ready before we take down the next set of scaffolding and we have this tendency to take down way too much at once because we think we should because they're a certain age instead of allowing them to to gradually take our time and helping them develop in a way that really works for them and helps them feel success. Mm -hmm. So um, switching from what hasn't worked, what would you say are the uh, techniques, and you've certainly talked about some of them, what are the things that are most most successful? What do parents come away uh, from your instructions uh, and program saying was the most helpful or a couple of the most helpful things? Um, well, there are a few things. And, and what we do at Impact ADHD is to, we actually have developed a parent management methodology, an approach to raising complex kids with ADHD and anxiety and all of these related conditions that come along with it, um, pulling from the world of coaching. So we actually engaged coaching skills, coaching methodologies, and mm-hmm. teach parents mm-hmm. how to use those skills. And so, um, you know, if we take, go back to that, it's sort of a mixed metaphor, but, but we teach parents a lot about what we call taking aim. And so if uh-huh. you can imagine um, being in a relay race, and, you know, I don't know if you ever ran as a kid. I did not, but the one thing I remember was having to do a relay race. And, and what they taught you was when someone's passing you a baton, you keep your hand out, you turn, you look, you make sure you've got it and that your hand is closed before the other person releases it. Right. And it's a great metaphor for parenting complex kids is to, to, to take aim to get very specific on the change that you're trying to see and begin to cultivate your child's taking ownership in the changes one at a time, not to try to do everything. And we, we often say you can do it all, but you can't do it at the same time. Yes. So one of the big concepts we teach is this, it's the first step in our methodology is about taking aim and teaching parents how to get very specific about what the changes that they're going to see, how to collect information and get educated about it, that's step two, and then to begin to create a plan that engages their child in the process that helps take into consideration um, their child's motivation, what's going on with the brain, you know, sort of a shift, shifting towards a positive approach and setting real, realistic expectations so that by the time you're taking action, you're, you're setting yourself up for success. You're doing it in the context of success. Um, what we didn't mention earlier, I think a lot of parents, one of the things that, that fails a lot is the tendency to start with systems and structures. 
I'm going to create a system I'm, because they told me I'm supposed to be consistent and put a structure in place. And what we find is that if we, if we get very clear on what the change is that we want to see, then we can develop a system or a structure that more effectively meets the changes we're trying to create and, and involves our child in the process. Right. It's really important to create systems and structures in the context of making sure that we've activated the brain, that we're parenting positively, and that we're setting realistic expectations. And I think that uh, certainly parents' anxiety about, gee, you're about to flunk sixth grade or um, <laughs> I'm getting calls twice a day from your teacher drives them to want to change a lot of things at once. Yeah, um, exactly. And being able to separate that down to what's the first step, um, which I think can be a daunting challenge for any parent and certainly one with ADHD where we already have a hard time figuring out the steps, much less the first one, um, yeah. that's more of a challenge. It's a huge challenge. That's a lot of the work that we do. We, we run a coaching group called the Parent Success System, and, and at the beginning of every single call, parents are, are each asked to take aim and then coached around that so that we really make sure we're getting clear because what we found is, you know, we, can, we could put a lot of strategies out there, but if we're not really clear on what we're trying to change, it gets mm-hmm. very muddled. And our kids aren't clear, and so they feel like no matter what they do, it's never good enough because yes. not, we're not taking the time to stop and celebrate the successes. But when we, when we can really take aim on one thing and we see the success and they see the success, it breeds more. And we can yes. begin to apply it to other things, and it's, it's incredibly effective and incredibly powerful. But we have to have patience with that process, and that can, as you say, it can be hard to do when you feel like you're in crisis. Yes, and I think a lot of the times kids are feeling unsuccessful, feeling like a failure, exactly. so they don't see the little successes. And if mm-hmm. parents can be empowered to, number one, pick small steps at first, but then to praise the child for, hey, you got half your homework done and it only took you 15 minutes. That great. Woo-hoo. Instead of, gee, you didn't got, get it all done. How come? Exactly. Um, well, that would, and and I, I hear this a lot where I'll, where I'll be working with a client sometimes, particularly with a private client, where you know, oftentimes they've gotten to a point where the relationship is really beginning to degrade. That's what, you know, get pushes them to really want to go that extra mile and get the private coaching. Mm-hmm. And, and what, you begin, what I begin to hear pretty quickly is that there's never a sense, no, no matter what the child does, it's never going to be enough. Yes. Because the parent is already looking to the next one and already looking to the next And we as adults, we do this to ourselves all the time. But when we think about how hard that would be as a child, it's very, it's, not, it's, it's demoralizing. Oh, yes. Um and it, certainly in my experience, and I think that overall, over a number of years, that ADHD has been recognized as a problem and increasing research on there is that mm-hmm. kids at some point, when they haven't had the support, um, they're feeling like a failure. They keep on getting this message from school, from coaches in athletics, from parents. They give up, and That's either right. they're depressed or they're more anxious, and then someone says, hey, smoke this, or try this pill, or just have a beer. Um, And 12 and 13 and 14-year-olds say, sure, I'll check out, then I don't need to feel all this other stuff. I think you're right on target. 
it's a real risk factor there. I, I will never forget my 15-year-old daughter looking at me and saying, don't you understand, Mom, that if I don't do it, then I haven't done it wrong. And it was uh. like, it was such a light bulb moment for me. Because I was one of the, I was thinking, why can't, why can't you just turn this in, right? Right. You're a beautiful writer. You know, if I can get you, help you get started, and sometimes that's, it's as simple as that. But, you know, what, what was stopping you? And it finally was clear what was stopping her was she was so afraid of not doing it well enough or doing it wrong that she would rather not do it than feel yes. wrong in doing it. And that was, I mean, I learned so much in that moment about how to motivate her and how to work with other parents. And it was, it was a huge, huge light bulb moment. Yeah, what you just said about the motivating uh, kids, I think most first and second graders, they're excited about school. They're new things. They have friends. They're developing. And that falls away as some of the impairments from ADHD come along. So figuring out how to reverse that and help them get motivated, um, I think, is, is the key. And that's where the parents are going to be the main ones to be able to help that process along. Yeah, we, we do a lot of work with helping parents identify the motivators. And, and inevitably, I, I'll have somebody say, well, he's not motivated by anything. All he cares about is video games. And, you know, there's something to be said for taking advantage of the fact that he cares about video games to some extent, mm -hmm. right? To, it's yeah. reasonably, um, and and it's it's definitely gets harder as they get older because you know teenagers are no longer motivated by pleasing adults. They're no longer motivated by pleasing the teachers or their parents. Under about thirteen, and and you probably could tell me exactly what this age is better than I than I can. Um, but what we see is you know when you got up until about age twelve, maybe thirteen, where the yep. kids are still eager to please. And you can really use that to help them learn self-management. After that, you really got to ask the question, what's in it for you? Yes, I'd certainly see, and I'd, I would say nine times out of ten, when a parent says, you know, he's just got this attitude, or she's yeah. talking back all the time, I look down at the chart, and it says 12 years old. Yep. Um, <laughs> sometimes girls are a little advanced, and it might be 11. But most yeah. of the time... 12 years old um, is the time when there's that shift of, I don't have to do what you tell me, and I'm going to tell you that, um, right. which is definitely a, a problem. Well, I don't have to do what you tell me, and... Um and and you and the parents are. It takes the parents a while to catch up and go. Wait a minute. This is an independent being who's going to be making their own choices. Yes. You know, I always yes. say we're not raising children. We're actually raising adults. Hmm. And and we really want to teach them how to make decisions as adults. And the way that we do that is begin to involve them in their motivation and them in their decision making instead of directing them, which we get in the habit of doing when they're little and we have to sort of train ourselves out of as they get older. One thing that I see often is that um, you know, parents have provided so much support uh, through high school, for instance, and now their daughter goes off to college and everything falls apart. Um, yeah. So when... Um, a parent gets into your coaching system and says, well, we do this and this and this, and they're tutors, and we're helping with homework, and yeah. we're keeping the calendars, and say that child's in uh, ninth grade, 14. Yeah. 
what would you tell them or how would you help them pull away from that? It's a, it's a fabulous question and we have, we have a, I mean, I think our probably the largest number of parents in our programs are parents of 14 and 15 year olds um, for the, probably just that reason. And, and it's, I'm so glad they're there because if you wait till they're 17 and 18, it's really oh, hard yeah. to do. We get yes. a lot of those panic phone calls as well. Um, but it's about letting go without throwing your hands up in the air. Right? I, I think that parenting is a, is a daily process in learning to let go. Yes. Um, and so it's about doing it consciously and, as I say, passing that baton. So I, I was just doing a group last week where we were talking about using curiosity as a, as a strategy for, for helping our kids. And so it was about um, beginning to transfer the ownership from us to our kids and encouraging them to begin to take more responsibility for their work, not by saying, okay, if you don't want my help, you do it. Right. But by saying, you know, my job is to get you to a point where you're ready when you go off to college to be able to manage that or wherever they're going after, after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are the things that, that I'm responsible for helping you get to. This is what I see you doing great so, so far. What are you ready to take next? What are you ready to expand? And, and it's, it's a more complicated conversation, obviously, than I'm, I'm having at this moment. I'm simplifying sure conversations, but the idea is to teach parents how to begin to involve their children and young, young adults into the process of their own decision making, mm-hmm. and, and instead of just dropping it, to begin to literally transfer that baton one task at a time. I, I remember when my daughter was um, 18, she, uh, it's a long story, but she, she moved to another city to finish high school and, and to pursue her work, and, and she was living with another family. And we had some very, very overt conversations. Um, she was still in high school and about what she was going to be responsible for and what I was continuing to scaffold for her. Mm-hmm. So I continued, even from a distance, to manage her calendar because it wasn't something she was ready to do yet. It was very overwhelming for her. She took responsibility for making sure that she got to school on time, that she was, getting, that she was eating well. I mean, she had things that she was in charge of. And Great. we had very, very conscious conversations about it. So I remember the day vividly that she put something on the calendar for the first time, and I saw it, and I was like, yay! Yay, you know? great. Um, because she was beginning to get ready for it. And so at, at some point over about the course of six months or whatever it was, she finally was able to take over the calendar. But she wasn't ready to at the beginning. It took, it took some give and take and some, some time and processing for us to get to that point. Sure, sure. And I think that points up the, the involvement of a parent in being able to step back a little bit from the emotional, I'm worried about your future, to how can I be non-judgmental and not criticize you didn't get your homework done, but start with the positives. I'm, I'm glad you started on your homework. Uh, what yeah. can we do to help you get back to it? Here are some strategies, and that's where the parent has to have learned some of those things. Well, I want exactly. to turn to one other question that occurred to me. What issues would the parent training maybe not address? What kinds of things would another adding another approach um, help? I'm thinking of counseling, for instance, or um, well, I, yeah, I think I think that I mean 
So if I look at the big picture, so I do some work as, a, as a, uh, an advisor for the American Academy of Pediatrics, right? Mm-hmm. And if I look at what their recommendations are for, for children with ADHD, um, at first for very little kids, they recommend what they call behavior therapy, which right. is, you know, parent training, parent intervention. It's, it's not actually putting your kids into therapy, although I think it's a common misconception. Um, and then as they get into elementary ages, the recommendation is a combination of, of medication and behavioral therapy or behavioral interventions. Parent management is another term for it. Uh-huh. Um, and then as they get older, again, it's still, there's always that combination, but it moves, moves in a somewhat different direction. And I, I think that the sooner that parents get involved with understanding what's going on with their kids and the parent training and learning parent management approaches that really foster independence and and cultivate that kind of independence. Um, There's less need for some of the other interventions later on. Uh, When when those early interventions don't happen for parents, when they don't understand it as well as as they might need to, um, sometimes the you get to a point where you've got a, and you and I talked about this at, at another time, that sometimes when kids' ADHD is not being terribly well managed, oftentimes we then end up with uh, coexisting conditions of anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and so in those conditions, that's when a child might need some additional therapeutic support. Okay. Um, to learn to to manage themselves or manage the emotional issues that they're struggling with. Right. And then then sometimes parents may need it, or if a parent is um, impacted themselves and hasn't had their own treatment, sometimes that may be a place to look. Right. But I think that when we start with parent training early, we can prevent a lot of need for for other modalities. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. And when we come in a little later in the process, oftentimes there may be more need for for therapy in addition to training. And I certainly um, think that the uh, multiple different approaches in terms of treatment of ADHD, the behavioral parent training, uh, medications, certainly other strategies, sometimes supplements, uh, good sleep, exercise, uh, and at times the counseling. Well, we need to wrap up. I wanted to... One, one more comment yes, I want to say is, is, is to make the distinction between counseling and coaching because we've talked yes. about parent training. Um, and there is a realm for, parent, for, for ADHD coaching, which is particularly effective for, for students who are teens and older. Um, right. If they are bought in, once they've gotten to a point where they really are seeking their own success. You know, I often, when a parent says, my child needs coaching, my question is usually, is your child asking for help? Um, mm-hmm. Because if, if so, then that child is a great candidate for coaching. And if not, usually the parent could use some coaching and support to help the child get there. So I do want to say that there's parent training, there's parent coaching, and then there's that realm of therapy. And I think Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Elaine. This has been a great conversation about parenting and how to involve parents with the care of their child with ADHD and truly raising an adult and not just look at How can I help this kid? So thank you again for your um, participation, and uh, I'll hopefully uh, have more people looking at your um, program and how to help parents and the online nature of it. That would be great. I appreciate it very much. It was a pleasure to be here, and we're always happy to have people join us at ImpactADHD.com. Great. Well, there you have it. 
some more of the real story about ADHD. This is your host, Dr. David Pomeroy, and letting you know that our next few shows are going to be about the emotional aspects of ADHD and emotional reactivity. I think you'll find it very interesting and hope to have you tune in. Until then, be well.